Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some right here. Welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. This podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So feel free to go ahead and hit subscribe, tell a friend, especially if you're enjoying the show. Let us know if you got any questions or comments or bands that you think we should probably talk to. So that song, Best Day of My Life, is one that I'm sure you have all heard. And if you don't know, it was written and recorded by the American authors. The American authors are Zach, James, Dave, and Matt. And today I get to bring you a wonderful conversation that I had with Dave, who plays keyboards and bass. He also does some of the production. We go over the band's beginnings and their time at the Berklee College of Music, how their writing and recording have progressed, and talk about their work with SoundMind, which is such a cool project. I'm excited for you guys to learn about it. The interview starts off a bit differently, as I was not ready for Dave to jump into something they were doing with Billboard the day that we recorded. But I got most of it, and I want to start off with that. To bring you up to speed, the band partnered with Billboard as part of a live at-home performance to bring awareness and fundraising for the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. It's really cool stuff, so we're just going to start things off right there and hope you enjoy. Make sure that everybody has a seat at the table, including uh, including the people that are the most disenfranchised in our country. Yeah. And this area of the world that we're advocating for is is one that, you know, we identify with because we've all been outsiders uh, okay. in the band. And cool. we've all we've all had, you know, our own personal reasons and our own personal loves of self and, and missions we need to accomplish in this world. And so on, on behalf of us and the community that is hurting, uh, we, we're here to support anybody who's hurting during these COVID times, which is why we are raising money for this cause, because it's just it's, uh, to help out the, the ones that don't have the biggest voice. Yeah. And, um, and it's very important to us that we, that we do that. I love that. Yeah. Anything you guys can do to help amplify, that's just great trying we're trying it's it's just like a thing where the uh the artist community you know when covid began all these big bands all these big artists were going crazy on the live streaming and and the fundraising and everything and you know sometimes things get so saturated into into like a two-month time stretch where everybody in in their who's doing anything with their labels or doing anything with their with their you know whatever their mission statement is, uh, they're, they're kind of slamming all of these things. And we wanted to kind of make sure that we were there when people really, really needed us. And so that's why we kept, we were keeping the narrative going. Good for you guys. Um, which is great. I think, I think people love to hear that. And I think probably, you know, anybody that is in the same, in that realm has any way to just kind of make something a little bit louder and using their platform for something good like that. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And thanks for sharing that on here so that we can help a little bit too. No worries. My pleasure. So, uh, Dave, let's learn a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the wonderful state of New Jersey. <laughs> Amazing. I know riveting. <laughs> what part um, were you on Jersey shore? I was not on Jersey shore. Thank God. 
<laughs> I was I was a, a metropolitan boy, so I grew up uh, about thirty five minutes outside of New York City, outside of Manhattan. Hoboken so, area. Uh, the um, Maplewood, like Essex County area, like Got the it. Oranges, Short Hills ish. Yep. Um, and it was very, very cool to grow up in that area because that's kind of where the boss is from. That is wherever the boss is from. I was just going to ask lot, that. Yep. That's where a lot of our deep rooted, um, you know, rock, East Coast rock has, you know, grew, grown and groomed itself, you know, from CBGBs and into, into New York, you know, into, and uh, that was me growing up. I was a little kid ro rolling into the city all the time, looking at bands, looking at yeah. music, trying to be a part of the energy and, you know, just, uh yeah i'm a city boy east coast through and through i'm not moving anywhere <laughs> good for you and yeah. was music kind of just a big part of your 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 childhood and everything um so my my little uh, no my my older brother not my little brother my older brother i'm a little brother uh okay. <laughs> my older brother was uh was a really really talented and he still is a very talented uh piano player he does okay. classical jazz and everything and uh you know, my parents were music lovers. They were appreciators of the arts. So I was fortunate enough to be living in a home where that was something that they did take seriously. Um, what you kind know, of stuff were kids, they listening to? They were listening, my mom loved uh, Joni Mitchell. She loved Fleetwood Mac. My dad was a big Drifters fan. He loved uh, Motown music. He loved the Four Tops. Uh, obviously, Bruce. Rolling Stones and and all of these really great bands. Um, grew up listening to a lot of Louis Armstrong. Grew up listening to a lot of uh, you know the jazzers and the loungers. And I and I just loved the uh, the vibes that they. I, I just love big singers. Cool. I think that's what happened with my with listening to my uh, to my parents' records growing up. I just loved a great story and I loved big voices. So yeah, that was what I learned. Really cool. So I want to get something a little bit clarified. Did all the members of American Authors go to Berklee College of Music? Yes, we all went to Berklee College of Music. Okay, so obviously uh, we this were... is really highly regarded music school. If people that totally. are listening don't know about it, go and check it out because it's really produced some amazing pe people like John oh, Mayer's yeah. another one off the top of my head. Um, yep. And I guess one of the things that pops into my head because you don't hear of that many people that have gone in and gone for a formal musical education. I think it's a little bit yeah. rare. And I'm kind of curious, what are the things or what are some things that you took away from that education that's still relevant today? Um, there's actually a lot that I learned at Berkeley. You know, me, I was, um, I started out really um, in the electronic music world. Okay. I loved, um, uh, I love German music. I love French house music. I loved the Detroit scene when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And this all, I promise you this all makes sense. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm doing all this electronic music production as a, as a kid and I'm trying to mix acoustic music and so great songwriting in with it. And I was doing things on a computer and I thought I was the weirdest person alive. Yeah. This was when I was 15, 16. I was just chopping up my own beats and doing my thing. Going to a school like Berkeley really made me understand that I was very different. I was very not good at, at music. Interesting. <laughs> you know, because I went there and I was going off of just pure emotion, right? <laughs> off of pure creativity. That was part of the reason why Berkeley was cool because they gave me the opportunity to kind of take my craziness and kind of focus it. Nice. But then I got very annoyed at the rules and I ended up trying to break them as much as I could. <laughs> so as but, one does uh, at 18 19 yeah right and so like when you know when I, I actually arrived to Berkeley late and I met the guys who were already established as another band a year into the Berkeley experience for me so going to a school like Berkeley gave me two senses of emotions one everyone here is too good I don't belong and then two if this person is here I definitely belong here there's no reason why I can't be that good so you kind of take the duality in that way and you say, okay, can I step up to the occasion of this prestigious, you know, 
music school and, and see what I can do. And I, I found out that there were a lot of people that were seeking uh, new ways to do their music. And that's where I found yeah. my, my calling. Cool. You know, that's where I found my, my roots. And that's how the band kind of was forming because they had a different bass player to start and it was a different band name. I came in and, and Berkeley was such an experience because it was a place where everybody was learning about each other and everybody was trying to connect musically yeah. and, and really kind of move the needle. And there was a lot of, you know, there was the whole entire clickiness of it all, you know, like the rating system, like yeah. what are your, what are your performance numbers? Like what are your, <laughs> what are your sight reading numbers? And like, you know, it was a, it was a fun little clicky experience. And like, I would just tell everybody you don't even want to know my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but there was something beautiful about the language of music is that it doesn't matter the skill level as long as you come with your emotional self. That's really and true. You, and, you, and you really pour it in and, and, you, and you kind of think about it from the creative's perspective as well as you being a creative. Berkeley really taught me how to understand uh, other people's musical uh, histories and other people's musical passions. Nice. Uh, and, and, and acclimating. And now, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I do a lot of productions for other artists now, as well as produced for the band uh, a bunch. But like learning all of that, Berkeley really kind of solidified the, the bedrock for, um, for, for the professional world, getting me started for, for doing something like American Authors and getting the guys prepared for something as intense as American Authors. Because we, Really, we're just going into it with whole hearts, thinking that you know we were just writing great songs for people, and yeah. one thing led to another, and then you have the whole world looking at you, and you have to kind of understand that oh, my school really did prepare me for this. You know, yeah. it's it's but, a, it's an interesting dynamic because at first you're like Berkeley didn't teach me anything, <laughs> but it actually really did teach us how to work together and how to overcome adversity, yeah. which is really cool. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to realize, you know, what the past has taught you, but that's, you know, just as long as you come to that realization at some point and it's not too late, that's, that's fantastic. Was it more yeah. collaborative or co competitive, you think? Um, the school in general or? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just the experience. I'm just curious um, because you know, you've got all these people from all these different places. So I imagine you have, you have like you who's, yeah, yeah, you have someone who's been like classically trained on any sort of instrument since they were five years old. And then looks at maybe sure. someone who's just insanely artistic and creative that can sit down and just figure out a guitar or a exactly. piano or whatever. And they like, I'm wondering, like, do they come together or is, the, is there someone so, that's like, you should learn how to read music? There was a lot of great moments where I did see great collaboration. Um, there were also the kids that really did have something very special which kind of kept to themselves and kind of were a little holier than thou but for good reason i mean this is the music industry yeah this is something where you have to really wear your heart on your sleeve and you have to be bold in your vindictions of self you have to be bold in the message you want to give to the world if that's the way you're presented you know a lot of the students at berkeley were extremely talented and i saw great collaborations amongst great artists that are now writing for the likes of you know anybody from John Legend to doing tons of K-pop music to doing yep. all the, all these crazy things. And, um, you know, scoring video games for massive video game companies, like all these things. And, um, you know, it's great because it gives us the sense of, okay, this worked out and we don't know how it worked out. Right. But to answer your question, it's, it's, it's a 50, 50, you kind of got to meet and you got to kind of, understand the personalities. A lot of the moving and shaking I did in the first two years of Berkeley allowed me to understand that the band was serious yeah. and, we, and we needed to do this seriously. And, and I was DJing a lot and I was producing a lot. So I kind of put my foot down and said, you know what, these guys are taking this very seriously. It's time for me to take this very seriously and see what happens. Cool. And, um, and that's, and it, it all depends on the drive and the, um, and honestly, the heart that you have, it, it's, a, it's the industry is not built for collaboration. It's kind of everybody fights for their own little, you know, stake of land in the yep. music industry. But um, when there is great collaboration, and we're seeing it now more than ever in the music community. Yeah. Tons of great collaborations, tons of big artists, like, leaning on each other. One area of music I wish did that more was the American alt music scene. I don't okay. think that they, they collaborate enough with each other. I see a lot of uh, hip hop artists and indie artists doing a lot more collaboration work. 
than like uh, like bigger alt bands. I feel like everyone's kind of doing their whole thing. But, yeah. You know, and it's and it's okay. I mean, this is COVID times. It's it's very bizarre out here. So. It's unique. That's that's we know that for sure. I'm curious. So, you guys were the Blue Pages, and then change your name to the American Authors. What brought yep. upon that change? Um, just getting a fresh name really allowed us the um, the ability to present a new sound to the world. Okay, we were going. We were going under the blue pages for about five years at that point. And uh, we were touring up and down the East Coast doing the loop from from uh, Boston, down to New York, down the coast, up around <laughs> to Chicago. And we were kind of thinking to ourselves, look, the songs are amazing and they're doing great and we've been getting bites, but I think we should we need to kind of hunker down and kind of reestablish what's working and what's not because yeah. we can't be doing that route forever. Um, we finally met up with uh one of our good friends and producer of the first record his name was Shep Goodman kind of saw a light in the band that you know we we wanted to lean into for a while but didn't have really the the know-how as to do that yeah so then we were like okay let's change the name let's write some songs with this guy see what's up and it just turns out that the name change kind of sparked a whole new life and then the song kind of hit the nerve of the overall world really really randomly and haphazardly and it was kind yeah. of a the roller coaster kind of just went like that and i think that there's beauty in rebuilding who you originally were i think that was the lesson that we learned i think that, there's something to that because i've talked to a few different bands now who have done something like this where they've put out like an ep or something like that under a different name it had some success, kind of did what you said you guys did, toured around a little bit, and then changed the name, really like yeah. honed in on what they wanted to do, what they wanted to be with that name change. And then from there, that was just kind of the springboard. So there's something to that. And if somebody's listening who's a band and you guys are like just kind of treading water, it might be something to think about, just kind of being like, should we refocus yeah. this a little bit? Exactly. And I think refocusing, repurposing, it's like, it's like, I always equate um, starting a business or being in a band to, you know, especially when you have partners, you are living in a home with roommates. Yep. And if you're not paying the rent on time, if you're letting the apartment go to waste, <laughs> go to crap, it's time to reorganize. It's time to reinvest in what you're doing. It's time to reinvest in getting new furniture, mm -hmm. maybe getting new kitchen stuff, maybe fixing up the bathroom finally, or, you know, all sorts of things. You want to make sure that when you're building the house, you maintain it. And that yeah. can mean, and that's what tons of people do in everyday life. You yeah. kind of refurbish and revisit what makes you happy, what makes it great. And you just kind of pivot in, in the way that you need for success. I think it's a very healthy way to do it. I do too. I've always done this um, for the last like five or six years. I've done something registered with me one time. I was watching the presidential state of the union address and okay. I was like, why don't I do this? Why don't I do this for me personally, for my work, for my relationships and like where I'm yep. living and just make sure that I'm doing what I want to do. And why not try and do that on, on at least an annual basis? I think it's really smart. Um, so I think the thing that people will know um, the band Best Buy is best day of my life. Amazing. I think at the last that I saw, you guys are like triple platinum on that, which is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, what an insanely thing. Anybody that's listening to this has heard it on the radio. I think you hear that title and you know what song, but I'm curious <laughs> yeah. about the time leading up to that, which you've kind of touched on a little bit with this um, looping. And I'm just kind of curious, what are some of the ups yeah. and downs that you guys experienced as a band leading up to that initial success? You know, there was, it was that, it was that winter. Um, and we were in, uh, we were upstate kind of just in the woods, kind of like, writing with our producer it was really really weird because um at that time sandy hook went down okay and it was right and if people aren't familiar with sandy hook it's when you know uh, unfortunately a, a gunman went into a school of an elementary school and unfortunately did what we all think is the biggest nightmare of all is you know had no regards for anybody inside the building and um yeah. When we heard the news, it was shocking to all of us because it was right down the street. 
from where we were. And in that framework, we kind of were thinking, man, the world has hit a whole new low. And now we're in this new thing and this new band and we need to really focus on things that make people happy, make people positive and make people feel positive because that's something that's just been missing from, from rock. And that was something that was missing from songwriting, just something so simplistic that can really just be an earworm, something that can carry people. We didn't think it was best day of my life at first. Yeah. We literally went into the studio and just wrote three tunes and it was, one of them was Believer. One of them was Best Day of My Life. And uh, I forget what the, I think the other one might have been Hit It. But it was just a random thing when we finished these songs, we all thought they were horrible. You know, <laughs> we were just like, is this too happy? Is this not cool enough? You know, it's that, it's that artist thing, right? Yeah. We are like is this too much? Is this us? Is this just enough? Like, what is this? Why should anybody care? Um, We ended up, luckily for us, our producer was in the industry for a little bit of time and he sent it around to a bunch of his friends. Just believe her. unmixed and unmastered and this was literally like a few days after we heard the news of sandy hook and people were asking about it like crazy who's this band what's going on really blah, blah, blah. And we were just like uh we the the demo wasn't even mixed it wasn't even done and it was already getting a lot of love from different people at radio just because they 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 wanted something positive for the moment and nice. believer was such a resonating thing and it sounded very alt and very new yep that the minute it bit it just started rising to the occasion and and it was it was so bizarre because we were like okay cool we're going to be this alt man and it's going to be really cool cuz we're doing something during this time and everything is terrible and blah 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 next thing you know um you know that's when people and labels and managers and all everybody in the woodworks come out and they say what's up with this band who is this band yeah and then um you know we ended up showing our friends best day of my life and then it got the lowe's commercial and that's when everything really kick-started it was a different era when sync music was kind of the pairing you needed to kind of get the broadest audience and when middle america and uh, you know the coastal america heard best day of my life for the first time it just did its thing it just did the thing that everybody needed it to do for that moment and uh it, it, it comes a lot of the music that we do comes out of severe uh tra- uh tragic moments believe okay. it or not um uh and we try to do our best to give people that hope and the cool thing about the band is that we've stuck to that message throughout the process here of giving people um you know the emotion as well as giving them the the uh the hopefulness i like that, that. is that is missing stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this what a cool place to try and you know put yourself into within the industry too of just like you know what we're just going to be the ones delivering this great message positivity and um you can wake up every day and go and do that that's fantastic yeah i mean like we we tried and then you know what it's interesting that you say that because the third record was kind of the moment we really needed to do a record that involved our personal lives we were we were at that point where we did so much travel and have been through so many things that you know a normal human would go through you know breakups and you know losses within the family in the course of the time in the band you know we've been together for so long that we had tons of things we needed to get off our chest and i think 
as you have the um, American authors of positivity, there's also the, the American authors of 30 year old real, real men who've seen the world a few times and have a lot of things to say about it. Yeah. And a lot of, that's why I feel like seasons became such, uh, this is completely moving forward, but that's why seasons just became such an important record for us to put out just yeah. personally. No, I think that yeah. that's good. And I'm, I'm, we're going to, we're moving in that direction. So um, you mentioned Seasons, um, the album before that, What We Live For. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to ask you about, we're going to jump into a song on Seasons too, but I wanted to ask you about the song Pride. My home don't feel the same. Last year flew by, goodbye to the good vibes. What we thought were the best times. Nights out with the people I love. Now I'm lost in the neighborhood. Raise me, praise me, make me who I am. and it's really great because i see a banjo sitting behind you and (laughs) i am this song opens up with this just unique sounding banjo i like when you tell me that you were sitting there making sounds and stuff on the computer as kind of your musical beginnings it's Mm -hmm. all starting to connect for me and okay. I'm wondering, are you guys always trying to mix up your sound and show this musical range? Yes. Um, a lot of people don't know this about the band, but it's rooted in a lot of very, very, um, very, very, um, I, it's hard. We're, we're very rooted in songwriting. I yep. mean, that just, you can tell that it's, it's, it starts, it starts with that, you know, Zach was, uh, president of the songwriters uh club at berkeley actually in his in his like uh first or second year uh and you know he was very much a collaborative force working with a lot of different people getting his writing chops up as as was james and me i was always a uh, producer mindset right so i'm kind of carving out sounds carving out the vibes just my experience of of being a dj and and then working within the framework of you know pop music for so long kind of inherently grew in me matt is a very talented classical composer and arranger wow um our drummer so and a producer as well so we pretty much are always trying to stretch our wings as far as we can because we we don't we don't have to fit in a lane the lane is the lane is great songs things that make you feel we're in a we're in a climate where we want we want energy we want the older american author sound but now we have this brand new discovery of yep. the depth of the writing with seasons so now we can literally marry the two and move into the future with a whole load of new information as to what we want the next sound to to do and you know a, a band that we we love to that we love to uh, you know look for for inspiration you know a cold play yeah a band that a band that goes through so many different textural changes so many different vibes on different records you know you go from viva la vida to ghost stories or something yeah and you hear just such a dynamic you hear the pain in the record you hear the low finest and the digitalism of that of ghost stories you hear the anthemic you know timpani and then the and like the crazy you know ethereal english bells and all the stuff that they're going on in Viva La Vida. So it's kind of like with these bands that we see and we love and we adore, we're, we're trying to take, we're trying to figure out what is the staple American authors. And I think we're going to be hearing a lot more banjo coming up on in the next releases. Good. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more of the things that make us who we are and make people fall in love with the band all over again. You know, that's because we're getting, we're getting way cuter as time goes on. We're aging like wine. <laughs> <laughs> that's clear um that's, that's, i mean amazing. yeah i really like this idea of just like honing in on the songs and i think that just shows maturity as individuals and as a band of just like this is our craft now and if we continue to take this more and more seriously let's push ourselves like what is the best oh yeah songs that we can write and why wouldn't like every note every phrasing and all that stuff it makes me think of um like when I think of this type of songwriting, I think of the band and I think yeah. of like music from Big Pink when they just like 
where all these incredible musicians from all over the range of places musically and they were just like we're just gonna write these like every lyric is thought of the story and like and the, yep. the how the it just it just that's what I'm thinking that you're telling me and I love that you guys are taking it this seriously it's such refreshing yeah, stuff it's, to hear it's a thing where once people identify you as one thing it's almost like you can be like mysterious and another thing at the same yeah. time and you know it's kind of funny when people fall back into American authors and you see people commenting like what is this song wait this is american <laughs> authors this is so it's so different it's so like and that's that's such a rewarding thing for us because that's when you can see um you know different generations of fans coming up you know you have like the like away young kids who are hearing us for the first time who listened to us when they were in elementary school you know it's 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 and now they're in high school and, and now they're in high school and they're super cool. And then like, we make a cool song for them. And they're like, wait, <laughs> I can like this band again. This, this is cool again. And that's just like the most beautiful moment of life because, you know, I like to think that um, we're semi cool still. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys are doing a good job of it. Yeah, we're I mean, do, you kind of keep on, we can. keep on reinventing yourself, which kind of leads me into this next one. So, yeah, you dropped seasons early 2019, right? Yes, February 2019 was a, was a major major moment for us as a band. Yeah. Yes, so toured behind that, and um, then you guys. I'm gonna get to this next song, but this was just such a cool story that I was reading. So you guys dropped that. You tour behind it. I think early this year. Yeah. And then you get done with that, like right end of February and you guys have just, it sounds like you've got the creative juices flowing, decide to go ahead and rent a place in Nashville because you've got more songs oh, yeah. coming out of you. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So that was a wild time. We kind of were, were wrapping up. Um, seasons was done. Um, we really, really like the, 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 the process of doing seasons was so crazy because you're packing in a lot of emotion and energy into a certain amount of time, certain months, right? Where you really have to focus on the things that really make you feel. And that's a scary thing for a lot of artists. Yeah. So with that carried over energy, once Seasons was done, we said, okay, let's knock out a few more songs, see what happens. And we we've grown to the point where we're comfortable producing our own music. We actually enjoy it. Um, I love doing it. I love creating the soundscape. I love yeah. helping in the process of all that. And I've produced a bunch of stuff for the guys over the course of the year, over the course of the years so that we could be self-sustaining and that's super important. So we're not leaning on anybody. Yep. And that was the beauty of going down to Nashville. We didn't have to really lean on anybody. We can just dive into the room. We rented a bunch of gear. And we, uh, it was so funny because our tour manager was like, what do you need? And I had to like ship him off a laundry list of things that I needed <laughs> to kind of replicate my studio at home kind of. And we literally rented this Airbnb and we bought a bunch of snacks and we literally just poured out five or six productions, full, almost full songs in about, in five days. And that was crazy because kind of like, you know, me producing and sitting behind the desk all those days, kind of focusing and, and moving around the band and trying to get all these parts out of them while also trying to keep in, con in context what we're trying to do yep. was a very invigorating and a wild experience. It was, it was like a meeting of the, of the creative and collective minds uh, where we all kind of were reading the same book, but in different languages. Cool. You know how that works? I really like and, that. <laughs> and by the end of it, we realized in those days that we actually came up with some really, really interesting stuff. We were kind of honing in on the big sounds of, you know, the like late 20 teens, you know, like some chain smokers vibes, that tropical house vibe that came through. Yeah. And I brought in this. Uh, production I wrote this song and we kind of took the beat wrote something else completely over it took those vocals sent them over to the to the producers seed 
if you've heard of them. Yep. They, they did the Mike. They did the Mike Posner tune, "Took a Pill in Ibiza." They fell in love with the song, and that's just how the happy collaboration started. for uh these records they all were derived in this one location we were so familiar with nashville at that point we just felt like it really being around the woods and being around the energy of space gave us the ability to kind of lock in to the situation that we were in which was we need to write some great songs and we have all the materials for it we just need the headspace and it was so fun to just know that we literally built a full studio in an airbnb for a week and of those songs we got counting down which just came out We got Sky's the Limit, which is going to be uh, uh, the final closer for the for the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the the basic work on Best I Can, mm-hmm. which you know, uh, you know, I there were just so many different flavors that we were putting out, and we wanted to pack them all onto something where you can hear all the records that we've done. Yeah, and that was the beauty of this week. We kind of. <clears throat> crafted this ep to showcase the growth from albums one into album two into album three and it's kind of like a thing where people can just kind of look through the manual and see which one they really identified with and that's going to be their one they're going to put I on like the that. it's almost like so, a menu of american authors what's the yeah. um when was microphone written was that during this time that was during this time. So right after we finished season, well, during seasons, we actually had a, a songwriting session with um, Sam Hollander. He did, okay. uh, you know, all of those wonderful songs for Panic the Disco. Yep. And everything. And during that time, uh, we went in and we learned a, a bunch about uh, Sam's style, you know, as a writer and as a producer. And microphone was just kind of was so unbelievably sugary that for me at first i was like this is this is this isn't my favorite thing i don't know if this is what oh you weren't onto it yeah we were i wasn't personally into it but that wasn't because sam isn't extremely talented the song is amazing you know but it's like there was a thing where um you know you write that he writes millions of songs a year you know it's like he's a, <laughs> he's, a he's a juggernaut force and one of the most talented people i've ever experience in my life um but you know in in these in these times uh microphone was a very very interesting tune because it kind of was one where i i looked at it as though it was galvanizing the people it was allowing it was a message of extreme vivaciousness in a way it's like here we are with these blaring horns we are calling on everybody to rise up it's like we're gonna go out there we need to have a voice. Yep. It's it's crazy times out there. such an energy that came along with the song that sometimes we fall in love with the energy of things as well as the people that we write them with um and we want to give those moments and those songs a chance to shine yeah just makes a lot of just made a lot of sense just knowing that 
a band that wrote something like Best Day of My Life, it wouldn't be too unfamiliar for them to write something like Microphone, you know? No, I think that it's a nice little, I mean, you guys kind of bridged the gap to get to a song like Microphone and a lot of the stuff that's coming out of this EP and that that collaboration that you did, the fact that you're kind of venturing into like some trap house type stuff too, just yeah. really interesting. I mean, you guys are just kind of stretching yourselves and I really love it. I want to kind of jump over to another thing now, and I'm curious, what sure. can you tell our listeners about um, SoundMind and the work and your work that you're doing with them? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is an amazing question. Thank you for, for calling them out. Let's, let's talk SoundMind real quick. Yeah. SoundMind is, a, is a, a nonprofit organization that focuses on uh, mental health and wellness in the music community, yeah. uh, especially, um, especially in the ones that have kind of bridged over that initial success gap it's kind of like for the people that really are in the throes of the industry and really need an outlet so they provide a lot of you know um, therapy assistance finding therapists for bands for artists opening the floor for conversations having these artists come in and do events so we can talk about mental health in the music industry and kind of facilitate a, a safe space for people cool. to ask for help find help they need we believe that in the music community that it is a very very volatile industry in which there's extreme highs for artists Absolutely. and extreme lows and there's really been nobody to kind of advocate on behalf of our our mindset um and the the beautiful thing about SoundMind is that it we're, we're a brooklyn-based band they're a, they're a new york-based organization that have outposts all across America and we're just getting ramp ramped up and going. So if you see any sound mind events, you're going to meet a community of wonderful people, wonderful artists that are here to listen, here to help, here to guide you into becoming your best self um, in, within music and within, and within your own space. Interesting. And I think, yeah, it's really, really cool. I've been to, we've done a few events with them now. Um, we've had some great success uh, in bringing out the community before COVID, obviously this was before it, things got very intense, yeah. but you know, there were tons of online um, fundraisers uh, that SoundMind did do and launched and it was an amazing reaction across the internet world, you know, tons and tons of hits, tons and tons of celebrity appearances by many different wonderful, wonderful celebs. And I mean, the list goes on, it's, they're doing wonderful work. And a uh, thing that brings it home for me is that uh, my brother is involved Cool. as well um and he um uh social work is a big thing for our family and uh we always want to give back to the communities that we are in great and this is this is a very easy way to kind of click in go to sound mind just tune in and it can give you a lot of different resources such as places to go to work with other artists places to go if you are feeling low places to go if you need help getting that insurance that you're performing rights organization isn't providing and stuff like that yeah or if you run into situations like that because as we know these are very um uncertain times and it's just a place where you can really relax knowing that you're in good hands and people are there to listen yeah which is step one in in, in uh the new human approach i like to call it i think so just too and i mean what a great time to be putting something like this together because i think the mental health aspects of everything that's going on in the world is the wake effect of what's happening is we just have no idea what that's going to be. So to have something like that in motion already is just, you got to be really proud of that. So, so kudos to you. And I'm going to jump into some, I'm going to jump into some questions now that might be a little bit more fun, but. All right, go, go for it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So if you had to listen to one band the rest of your life, which one would that be? It's got, it's just gotta be cold. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just like I, I can't trust it's, that first instinct it's just too it's just there's too so many this such a discography you yep. can go back to any time in my life and i oh that was a good song too yeah you know you're like cool 
that's it. That's it. That's one of the cool things. I mean, the soundtrack to the life aspect of it. I, I haven't heard yeah. somebody take that approach with it. So I really do like that. I'm a very much uh, a fan of the nostalgia of music. I, I like the fact that we can transport anywhere in time just by putting 100%. on a song. And, uh, you know, I, another another artist that I couldn't be without now after just hearing the the, the levels of musicianship and an importance of the record is definitely Kendrick Lamar. I think that that damn would be. A record that I would would kick myself repeatedly for not having a, <laughs> for for my only listen because okay. this is I, I I was a I was a big uh, producer head anyway so to just hear great production and great songwriting something that means something uh, that that brings the best out of the art form for me yeah when when artists really can stand on their two feet and I can look at them and say I believe every single damn thing you say. Cool. And that's that's when it means the most to me. Yeah, I like that a lot. What's the one song that you wish you would have written? Uh, probably WAP. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. I would have been on a whole a whole different stratosphere. <laughs> but but uh, a song I wish I wrote. Um, Between Me and You by Brandon Flowers uh, off of his self-titled record. Okay. Between me and you, I've been thinking about the future and between me and you, I think I'm losing it now. I think that that is very much a homage to all the people that were on the road in the music industry for a very long time and had conflicting romances or had conflicting problems with being away from loved ones and trying to establish a sense of normalcy. I think the lyrical content of the song just resonates with me from here on out as, as Brandon Flowers says, you know, we're just doing our best. Yep. You know, not to let it, not to let any of this industry get between me and you, which is, could be the proverbial you, whatever you, you want it to be. Yeah. So I just think that um, that record speaks volumes for me as a, as a listener of what I like production wise and what I like music wise. Yeah. Um, Brandon Flowers is an incredible artist and his producer, Ariel Rashad, you know, all that whole camp that, that, that produces those kind of records, you know, like, um, Rostam, Bamanji, and all of those wonderful, like he does Haim and all those great records. So yep. it's just kind of diving into that. That one is one that I, I wish I wrote a thousand I times. I really like that. You gotta, yeah. you know, you've got a good reasoning behind it and no, no one can argue with that. And I'm really curious if you've been asked this last question. Okay. Who's your favorite American author, not a band member? <laughs> Probably... Was J.D. Salinger American? We'll fact check that, but we're going to give it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, if J.D. Salinger was, Amer was American, is American, that's, you know, Catcher in the Rye was just a moment for me. You know, I was really? just growing up, Catcher in the Rye kind of. I confirmed it. You're, uh, you're, on, you're on a good pace here, so keep it up. Yeah, it was just like a thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it was just a thing where when, when I read the book, I, I, I understood the outcry i understood the the youthful outcry of, of being different and and trying to maneuver your way through a, a, an almost fickle society you know i i kind of identified with that as, as a young person and and i could see that there was a lot of i went i would personally like i, I went to boarding school i yeah. was not a great student um i was making wrong choices so i can identify with that book uh, 120% where, you know, if, you know, there's different ways to look at life. And I just think that 
for emo Dave, looking back at the youth of, of my life, that that was just a moment where I said, okay, this person's a lot more messed up than me, but I can feel it and I can see it. Interesting. And I think, and I think that there was some beautiful artistic imagery that went along with, with the book. I'm, I'm, I love words. I love poetry. I love, I love spoken word. I love, I love, I love anything artistic that, that has to do with writing something that compelling. Um, So that was a book for me. Uh, And also, you know, Robert Frost, also a a massive, a massive one. Like, um, yeah, he's also an an amazing writer. Yeah, going through his book of poetry was something that I think I was my late teens, maybe early 20s when that kind of just fell into my lap. And I was just, I was really kind of blown away. And it's one of those things that I didn't understand it right away. It just kind of was appreciated on the surface. And then you kind of get a little older, you circle back to it and you're like, wow, it just resonates. You know, it's, it's that, it's that um, thing where it's like, it's really like that. Yeah. You don't know what it's like when you're younger because you're reading it and you're like, this is really beautiful. And this is like <laughs> kind of like written for, for an older person. It seems like this guy's been through a lot of stuff. And then you go through all that same stuff. <laughs> you look back and you're like, oh man. Yep. How, the answers are right in front of me yep. <laughs> the whole time. And that's what I hope that people look for in American authors as time goes on. And they, and they say, okay, these guys, when we read between the lines, they were saying a lot more than meets the eye. And they were giving us everything they got because they were saying it from a real place in a real, in a real moment, in a real time. And, uh, you know, all we can do from it is is learn and grow and, and, and revisit it when we when we feel low, revisit it when we feel high, right? Revisit it at those times. And and that's the beauty and the power of both poetry and music. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. No. I, well, keep it up. I mean, you guys are doing such good stuff. You keep on, you know, moving you. your bar up higher and higher. Chatting with you today, just your authenticity, I think, just comes through. And I think that that's for sure by me, it's so appreciated. And I think people that listen to this will will see it too. So keep up everything you guys are doing. And just thanks for spending some time with us. Oh, my God. It's it's a pleasure. And and keep on writing music out there. Don't be afraid to push the envelope yourselves. Um, You know, the world is your oyster now. Yeah. Good luck out there. Well, thank you so much to Dave. Wow. I love that. He's so authentic, just so cheerful and just good to see somebody so grounded and knowing what they're doing and being so confident in their path. So thank you to him and the American authors in general. Keep on rocking, guys. And for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. See ya.